0: We thank you that you just everything you've done for us and we thank you for your continued presence with us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit to be here with us and we give him permission to, to manifest himself in whatever way that he feels is best for us. And we we bless you, Father God, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.
1: Every fear, every ailment, every trial, every, everything, Lord, we do surrender it all. We know that you are the all in all. You crown us with loving kindnesses and tender mercies every day. You see our hearts, you know everything about us. Nothing is hidden from you, Lord. So we thank you that we can surrender it all to you, knowing that you see it. Father, You can take care of it, that You hear us, everything we say and do, that there's there's nothing hidden. We thank You, Lord, that You can be in charge, that You can handle it all. We just have to trust in You with all mm-hmm. our heart, leaning up to our own understanding. Mm-hmm. So thank You, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank You, Jesus.
0: Amen. Have I not made a way for you all the days of your lives? Am I not always with you? Have no fear, my children, for the future, for I will continue to be with you. And I will walk with you as you walk with me. I love you. Stand strong with me, for I stand strong with you. Thank you, Lord.
1: Are you
2: ready for part two?
0: (laughs) We are ready (laughs) All right. Jesus comes, we're ready.
2: So, continuing on with relationship and revelation. And my goal here is to help you think about things we may consider intellectually or mechanically that are actual relational processes. Understanding the ways of God, insights into Scripture, dreams, visions, revelations, prophecy. Uh, Most of my training that I have received in any of those have been in a class setting, have been mechanical in nature, and have been primarily driven to the intellectual. So, it'd be no wonder if the presentation seemed to come out that way. And if it does, it's not God's fault. (laughs) All mine. But, now you know. (laughs) Alright? So, this is Relationship and Revelation Part 2, Eyes and Ears. So, just to review, when we were talking about walking in the Spirit, Jesus commissioned the Holy Spirit from Heaven after His glorification... So that He could be with us, the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that directs us individually and corporately. And to have this relationship with the Lord involves all of you, spirit, soul, and body. Did I say great job, Cedric? Great job, Cedric. Yes, great, great job. Thank you. 1 Corinthians sixteen seventeen: we are to be one spirit with the Lord. Our spirit is to be unified ...with Jesus. Philippians 2.5 says, "...let this mind be in you which was also in Christ." And we're told in 1 Corinthians 2.16 that we have the mind of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 16.22 says that whoever doesn't have phileo, that's tender affection, that, that's classified as the soul love. If someone is not in a soul love relationship with Christ... He will be cursed at His coming. Those are sobering words. You know, to have, I have no friend in Jesus isn't just a song. And um, aside from Jesus, my wife is my closest friend. But there are things about me only Jesus can take. And there are things about me only Jesus can fix. And there are things about me only Jesus can love. So as much as I love my wife, She is not as close to me as Jesus is, and can't be. Here's the thing. If I don't don't develop, if you never develop this relationship with the Lord, you will always be empty. You will always be dissatisfied. You will always be disappointed. No person can fulfill your expectation. You will be disappointed if you're expecting them to if you recognize that they are, just like you, a cracked pot through which God's glory shines, then every minute with an image-bearer is a wonder. Every interaction with an image-bearer is an encouragement, is an opportunity, is a chance to touch Jesus. But if you expect them to bring you happiness, fulfillment, purpose, um, it's not going to happen. Now, the Lord taught me this lesson in a very harsh way. Um, There's plenty of ways to teach this lesson, but anyhow, the way I learned it was people died (laughs) often, and when I was young, people died. And so you recognize really quick that however long you've lived, should the Lord tarry, everyone goes away, and the only one who can be with you all the time is Jesus. And that is good news. Because, you know, we've all been in lonely spots, right? Well, you might have been in a lonely spot, but here's the good news. You've never been alone. And so, we need to have this relationship with Jesus that goes beyond um, just a, you know, I had a new birth experience and it was very spiritual, that goes beyond, um, you know, I'm present at worship meetings and services and I do service works for the Lord, that's my body. But that is actually in these um, in these moments with Christ, where we have real conversations. Abel was testifying of his real conversations with the Lord, folks. That's what a real friendship looks like. You know, I I, I have issues when this doesn't happen, and I have issues when this does, and I and I'm really blessed when this happens. Can we talk about it? That's what friends do, right? And then First Corinthians sixteen thirteen in in uh, Cedric was in this neighborhood yeah, he was in 1 Corinthians 6 earlier. Uh, says, "The body is for the Lord and the Lord's for the body. The Body's not meant for sexual morality. It's not meant for fornication. This body is meant for the Lord. So there's an engagement that I have with Jesus. Even now, when he's seated on the right hand of the Father, that involves my body. there's this engagement with Jesus that involves my spirit. There's this engagement with Jesus that involves my mind." Well, is this any wonder? What is the first Great commandment? Love the the Lord God. My heart, soul, mind, mind, and strength. Right? Love is relationship. And I know we we like to... It's a harsh word to say divorce, but to emphasize the commitment of love and the struggle of love, (laughs) Christians are often guilty of minimizing the emotion of love. With things like love is sacrifice, love is giving, love is commitment, love is not an emotion. Well, excuse me, it is. It's all of that. Without emotion, you don't have passion. If God wanted you to be Spock, you, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, he's a character in a science fiction show way back in the uh, 70s where uh, he had no emotion, except for when he did. But,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, all right? Romans 4, 1 present your body as a living sacrifice. So there are things that wind up happening with your body. Like I practiced kneeling today. Can you believe it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I practiced kneeling today. Kneeling. Kneeling today. Because I think that kneeling (laughs) is very important in worship.
0: I I wouldn't be able to get back up. Right. That was my concern. I wanted to make sure
2: I could kneel, and I wanted to make sure I could get back up. Okay? So, where we landed last week was in John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known unto you. Making known is revelation. Friendship is relationship. We're talking relationship, so, so in human life, what's the apex of relationship? Marriage. Marriage. And what's a major step in a, in, in a couple's relationship before they get married? You know, when they're getting serious, what do you do? Watch Hallmark. Yeah, watch Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> right? Before all that. Got to
1: meet the potential in-laws.
2: Got to meet the in-laws. Oh, okay. So, you oh, yes. know, here to Yeah, yeah. So to, to kind of like knock on my son-in-law and my daughter, you know, there was this whole period of time where. It's like, well, did you meet the folks yet? No, not yet. We're just hanging out watching Hallmark. <laughs> you know, and that's uh, all right. Denise fixed it. So, but it becomes serious, right? You want know, to come home and meet my folks. You know, I mean, you might love me, but do you love my family? Okay, so I shared earlier that, that you know, the harsh way I learned that I had to lean on Jesus was I, people died. And, and the major figure in my life that died early was my father. But it was amazing to me, like I remember one, it was a, I can't remember my freshman year or my, or my eighth grade, it was a choir concert. And um, there was this gal, her name was Leslie, she had red hair, color of mine when mine was a lot redder than it is now. And we were talking and to a group and, and she said, oh, I remember your father. I love that girl. Mm-hmm. Because she knew my dad. It was like I'm talking to a sea of strangers and she had met my dad. Mm-hmm. And and it just welled me up. Mm-hmm. She just met my father. Okay? So there's, there's a. Well, oh, it just popped into my mind as you were saying
3: that I, I see the 11 apostles sitting around looking for a replacement for Judas.
2: Yeah. You weren't there with yeah, Jesus. You weren't there. You got to, it's got to be someone who's been with us, right? You know, the qualifications for that, that initial 12 had to be someone who had been there from the baptism of John to the ascension. Yep. Yep. Right? To, to, to testify. So, there, there is this thing where, hey, Jesus wants you to meet his dad. <laughs> right? And he's willing to die to get you there. He has no man that He lays his life down, his soul down for his friend. Okay? So. This is where we launch. Friends communicate. Friends communicate. Now we all have friends that maybe we don't talk to often, but we're so closely aligned that whenever we do get together with them, it's like we saw them yesterday. You might have to catch up, but you don't have to realign worldview. That's why you can do that. Because you're you're close enough to a commonality that when you get in the same room, you still share that commonality. It's not like you know, you grew up going to Sunday school together, and and are in some, you know, um, weird desert cold. After you get back, right? You, you're still, you're still alone. Um, anyhow, but friends Proposing communicate.
0: We're both in the weird desert. Right, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're both out there. Um, I was thinking of that that strange thing they do in Nevada. Uh, anyhow, it to carry out a friendship requires communication like daily talking like and not just how's the weather what did you do today that's all part of it right but but really sharing really opening your heart really being intimate friends communicate well what is revelation revelation is communication and so in a in a in a christian context where either Revelation is simply relegated to the Scripture, so there's a whole sector of Christianity that believes that the gifts were just for then until um, the Bible was canonized, not shot through a canon. That means like everyone agreed, okay, these books are in, those are out. Except for you guys, you got five extra books, but we don't think they belong, so you sit over there. by the way, the guys who had the extra books, they had the world for the longest time. Right? So there's a whole sector that believes that. Um, there, there's another sector that that says, okay, yeah, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the spirit's thing for yesterday, but, but even Baptists will talk about the Lord led me, the Lord called me, the Lord talked to me. Well, I didn't hear his voice. Why do they say that? You know, why do cessationists talk about, well, I didn't hear his voice, I just had a witness in my heart. Yeah, okay, call it what you want. You know, so you acknowledge Jesus talks to you, but you want to deny the methods by which he does. Okay? Then you have us charismatics, where, you know, getting the revelations about, well, I, I need to know what's going to happen on Thursday. Or, you know, I need a mind picture of what's really happening in this person so I can heal them. All those are valid. But, how about, how is Jesus feeling today? What's he happy about? What's he sad about? What does he think about DeSantis and Biden? Um, What does he think about this policy or that policy? If you knew that, would it classify as a revelation? Would it classify as a revelation? Yeah. Sure, so why wouldn't that be in the bailiwick of Word of Knowledge and Word of Wisdom? Why does Word of Knowledge and Word of Wisdom have to be relegated simply to Daniel's life's threatening? and they've got to fast for three, four days to come up with what the king dreamed? I mean, that's great, that's excellent, that's dramatic, and that is a revelation. So, again, it's not an either-or. I just just want you to see that this revelatory function of Christ in your life is... um, part and parcel of my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. So then walking by the Spirit's not a complicated thing. So it's it, it's simply a matter of relationship. Well I don't hear from Jesus. Okay. Doesn't mean he's not talking. Okay? So just as just as um, I'm prone to get defensive when when there's an implication that I might lack faith, you know, why are you limping around? Can't God heal you? Sure he can. Well, then you must lack faith. That's why you're limping around. Well, that and I wrench my, you know, right? Okay. There's validity in all that. But do you get nervous when I say, well, are you listening? Well, I don't hear from God. Are you listening? He's certainly talking. So are you listening? Or are you expecting the megaphone from God, the inner witness that says, this is Jesus. Do you feel the goosebumps? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is that what you're waiting for? Mm -hmm. Is that what qualifies and then all the other inner witness doesn't? I'm asking, I'm not saying. Wake me up in the middle of the night calling my name. Call call your name, you know, (laughs) I mean.
4: Through the still, small
2: voice. It's a still, small voice. And we'll be talking about voices. Oh, um, we to be talking about, we talking about We're gonna talk about vision first. Nick,
4: can we talk about cessationism for just a moment? Okay, so cessationism did you want to talk? Well, <laughs> I'll I'll talk a little bit, but I, just the idea that I, I just never could understand why men would believe that at the time that they decided that these books should be in the Bible, why would they believe at that point, oh, now now that we've made this decision, suddenly the Holy Spirit's going to stop working?
2: Right. So, my best understanding of how that transpired is, is that it was a weed planted in the Reformation. So, for the record, the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox churches never stopped believing in the works of the Holy Spirit, never stop believing in miracles. Where we pegged the charismatic renewal, it started in the Catholic Church first, if I remember my history correctly. A lot of stuff that started in the Catholic Church, marriage Encounter started in the Catholic Church. A lot of it. So, so that's that's one. So my best understanding this is that in the Reformation and, and in the call to only Scripture, there was an overcorrection mm. to the written Word and it and it just it you know we're talking about a 200 year window but still it's a short time in history it smacked right up into the enlightenment where reason held supreme so then it became this rationale that those and, and those miracles then were relegated to scripture they're not for today and and then one of the proof texts that they went around to was when that which is perfect is come right that which is in part shall be done away. And so they interpreted that to mean that the perfect was the written word. And, and the reason for the miracles and the reason for the tongues was to give witness to what Christ was doing. But now that we have scripture, people just had to believe the Bible. And that was that.
4: And what time in history
2: was that? Um, so, so I just went through a stretch from like say 1500 to 1800. And, and it, 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 it really grabbed root. And then so in much of Protestant evangelicalism, um, it held sway until the early part of the 20th century with the Azusa Street Revival and a renewal in the Holy Spirit and a charismatic movement that happened in the ev- ev- evangelicals. A lot of
0: people... It, I, I don't know if this is correct, but I've always thought that the leaders uh, in religion back... back then and and even now uh if it was easier for them quite often uh to say well let's cease than it was to believe god and st- and go out on a limb and walk out on their belief and 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 receive spiritual things spiritual knowledge from the lord i think it was easier for them to say oh let's that stop you know and and uh, so we're not held accountable for not receiving from God. I really believe that was part of it.
2: I, 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 probably so. I, I think the other part of it, and the reason why I'm going to bring this up is because this part exists in the charismatic churches. In churches that embrace the gifts. And I think that the problem is, it's very messy when the Spirit blows in. And man wants to control it.
0: Yeah, or, or get yeah, they, you get know, part, part so, from the spirit, and part from their head. Right. I
2: mean, you know, I, I feel I feel bad. This is going to be a joke, so I apologize. But I feel bad for the Catholics because when it happens with the Catholics, they got to build a new cathedral and stuff, and then they got to build you know all these hostels and stuff for the pilgrims, and the miracle happens. But <laughs> us Protestants not to do that because anyhow. So, but you're, you're, you're correct. But even in the charismatic church, when this when this kind of thing happens, it's, you know, there's this embracing while there's this... It, it's hard to find a balance. Some people were hungry for God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so... But the Holy Spirit does what He's going to do. You know, and, and I've heard test this man
3: I would submit also that people's ideas are controlled by what's published, and they often have the Bible published with a bend toward the king is in this thing with God or mm-hmm. men are this way or that way or this culture is this way or that way, they could control what people believe through the written word because yep. they could control that, but yes. they can't
1: control what you're talking
2: correct. about. Correct, correct. The, the, I mean, there's there's threads of that. There's threads of it in, in how the, how the um, translations are done, how the versions are done, how it's marketed, the whole bit. And It ends up getting twisted in that you have to believe the right things, so that you can do the right things, so that you can have safe salvation through the works that is really for faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it all goes down to the fig leaf, right? It all comes down to the fig leaf.
0: <laughs> no. It does. Don't jump! I know I'm not following you. It, it comes down
2: to the fig leaf in terms of for me to stand, approved before God. Mm-hmm. I've got to do some work that covers my ineptitude, mm-hmm. and we'll and we'll talk about that. So, Revelation is communication. Does that, does that help, yeah. Bob? Okay. I, I thought everyone might want to hear this Yeah, because that, I do toss that around every now and again. Okay, First Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now, the ESV translates that phrase, heart of man imagined, which is a a bad translation. Uh, Imagination is a very specific thing in Scripture, and and I wish they hadn't thrown that word in there in the ESV. Quite literally is, it it hasn't bubbled out of the heart of man. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, and it hasn't bubbled out of the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. Okay, just now this is just a simple thing about how God communicates and how Scripture speaks. So then, as a follow-on to this, the Apostle writes, under the movement of the Holy Spirit, that God revealed these things to us through the Spirit. How? The things that are being talked about are the eyes that see the ears that hear, and the things that bubble out of the heart. What is deeper than your own spirit? What's deeper than the spirit of man? The spirit of God. Commentators say, well, these are things that are in the soul of man that bubble into his heart, but they've got the architecture backward. The heart's the heart. And there are times where heart is used synonymous with soul and spirit, but to be very technical, the heart of man is the spirit of man. And so... The Spirit of God bubbles out things that are revelatory through your heart. What's the first thing that it reveals? Love, so, God, Saul. Romans eight. I was just guessing. What did you say, God? I said love. I was just guessing. love. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's good. Um, speaking about who's your daddy? Romans chapter eight. For you have not, this verse 15, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, "Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is the deepest truth of what Christ accomplished on the cross. That out of our spirit bubbles the truth that we are children of God. And the Spirit cries, Abba, Father. I imagine that it's probably the first word anybody ever says in a tongue, is "daddy" in whatever tongue you wind up speaking in the spirit. Okay, so, so eyes and now these aren't the only ways. These are just the primary. These are primary ways. Okay, that God communicates to us. Seeing and hearing takes center stage in understanding. Okay. favorite phrase, this is, this is you know, Jesus 101, he who has ears, Let what? Him hear. Let, him, Let hear. him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. There is a requirement on our part, and that is orientation. The requirement on our part is focus and attention. So, the question really isn't, you know, that the fact that you have ears is assumed. I mean, he's speaking. Mm-hmm. He's not talking to a deaf crowd. Usually when he is, he heals them, right? <laughs> so he who has ears, let him hear. In other words, it's like, hey, you've got ears, listen. That's the idiot. You've got ears, listen. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. Listen to what He's saying, okay? And I gave you one reference out of Revelation because, you know, that was later on in the book, but I mean, you go through the Gospels. This, this, this is one of his favorite phrases, okay? Matthew 13 verse 10 then the disciples came and said to him why do you speak to them in parables what why are you speaking to them in parables prior to Matthew 13 he wasn't speaking in parables and then you have I think the triumphal entry they don't you know the 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 echelon does not accept him and then next thing you know he's teaching in an entirely different way they're like oh wait a minute what happened to rabbi you know he was you know everything, all, everything, all these great statements you know and 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 Sermon on the Mount, you read Sermon on the Mount and then you read Matthew 13, you're like two different teachers. Yeah. Why are you talking to them in parables? Verse 11 To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it's not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, in a colloquial, we call this the use it or lose it. Right? This is demonstrated in the, in the, in the parable of the talents. Um, but the, the principle is, is that if, if we are employing attention and Jesus is communicating, see, he's communicating in a way that's going to require some effort on our part. He went up into the mountain, <laughs> you know, and the disciples had to follow him. But now he's communicating in a parable, and you have some truth I've given you. If you want more, you've got to come to me and get more. But the ones who are just going to take the story, the ones who are just going to take the moral lesson, the ones who are going to just take this, this uh, you know, uh, Jesus was the greatest humanitarian, or whatever you want to post it, they're, they're going to they're gonna lose whatever good they thought they got out of it. Whatever whatever they think they're getting, they're not. This is the purpose of a parable. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they sing, they don't see. And hearing, they don't hear. Ergo, they don't understand.
1: So seeing and hearing is a requirement for understanding. And he would have presumably known that from even as when he was young teaching in the temple and he would have been speaking scriptures and he would have been registering with these guys. They're listening to me, but I'm not sure they get what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. And his, and his humanness,
2: he grew in his understanding. But even then, you'd have to think he had an impression of they, they, why weren't they getting it? It's kind of like his reaction with, with Nicodemus. You're a teacher in Israel. You don't know these things? You're not, how could you not know exactly. these things? Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And with their eyes they have closed. Lest, lest they should see with their their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts. Here's the goal. Turn. I would heal them. Would turn, and I would heal them. So, I, you know, I've have, I have known... The inter- I should put it this way. The intercessors I have known, or the people that I have known that have worked most in vision have been intercessors. That's been my experience. I don't know if that's the case uh, throughout the body of Christ, but in my experience, intercessors have been primarily visionaries. But I've met my share of them who are just on for the vision. It's like they're watching a TV show. They're seeing, and they're seeing something in the Spirit, but they're not perceiving. And they're not understanding. Okay? Now, I know some that, that see and do understand. I got my first real lesson on this when um, somebody in a, in a prayer line in Romania walked up and said that they had this dream. And, and it was a dream of a, it was a white handkerchief it was very elaborate, you know, the handkerchief, and there was clouds, and the handkerchief fell, and the clouds went away, and all this kind of, I mean, step by step by step, and, and they just came up to the prayer line and said, what does that mean? And we were all like, actually, one of the, one of the ministers that was in this mission team was sharing this at lunch, and said, I, you know, this is a, as an example of how spiritually hungry they were. This person had come to him in line, wanted to know what, the, what did that mean, and, and like, like, I'm supposed to know, he says, you know, and, and the intercessor, you know, raised her hand and said, oh, I know. And she had that dream documented in her notebook like a month before. Mm-hmm. The dream, the interpretation, and what it meant. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's somebody who's seeing,
0: mm-hmm. and hearing, and, and, we still, uh, and understanding, we still and she still, her. yeah.
2: She still prays for us, we still support mm-hmm. her. So, seeing means looking, hearing means listening. Mm-hmm. We need to see, understand, turn, mm-hmm. and be healed. Jesus is communicating with you to continually turn you to his way of life. Turn you to the way, the truth, and the life. Alter your core. Not your identity, because he said that. <laughs> he is your identity. But as we struggle in life and see different things and, and struggle with different things, and then Jesus comes along and, and then... All of a sudden, you start getting a new perspective on
4: things. You know? I go back to the verse you talked about earlier in Romans about the oh. Spirit gives witness to our spirit, that right. we are children of God, right? And I, I would imagine that the tense of that is, at least if it's, the original text is the same as it is in English, that the Spirit continues yeah. to give witness with our
2: spirit. And, 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 and there's no stopping there's to no that, stopping right? It. It's so, so the character of spirit is flow. <coughs> you know, the, the, the character of the material realm is um, static, not kinetic. You know, everything left to its own devices is kind of static, right? It requires some sort of energy or, or you know, falling down a gravity well to get things moving. Spirit is fluid. So think about all the different ways that that the invisible God tries to explain to us about Himself as the Holy Spirit. Wind. Water. Fire. Oil. Right? These are primary symbols of the Holy Spirit. They all involve movement and motion, power, soaking, I mean all these kinds of things. So when we think about has not entered into the heart of man, hasn't bubbled out of the heart, out of their belly, shall flow rivers of living water. Right? So Luke 7, 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to, to, to him. And John, isn't, you know they're out there doing what, you know, Jesus' disciples are doing these things. And so John's disciples go to him and say, hey, look, this is your cousin's doing all this kind of stuff over the hill. And so John sends them down and to the Lord and says, are you the one who's to come or shall we look for another? So, John, by Jesus' mouth, the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant, Jesus is not doing what John thought it would go. You know, I, I heard a great...
0: He didn't come and liberate him out of prison. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, John still yeah. lost his head. What's up with that? Yeah. You
2: know? So... Heidi was, Heidi was listening to this, um, I don't know if you call it a declaration, whatever the case may be. But anyhow, the, the basis of it was, uh, not the basis, one of the things this guy was saying was is that God is consistent in His character. You might not know what He's going to do, but you always know who He is. <laughs> you know? I mean, one example of this is if you looked at all the different ways that Jesus ministered healing, from just saying a word to spit in people's eye. I mean, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's no formula to how Jesus ministered healing. Right? So, what was consistent was Jesus healed. Right? So, are you the one to come? And, and so, they come to Jesus and they say, you know, John the Baptist sent us to you saying, are you the one who's to come or shall we look for another? Watch what Jesus does. Well, what well, you know? Didn't you, didn't you read the prophecies in Daniel? Didn't you work out the weeks in Daniel to know that this is me? Didn't you see in Hosea I'm here on the fourth week? Didn't you understand I was born and you know? And take him through the whole scroll. He didn't do any of that. He said, "Oh, you want to know if I'm the Messiah?" Okay. So. He heals many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And they that were blind, He bestowed sight. And He answered to them, He said, You go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the good news preached to them. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me." Blessed is the one who is not offended by Me." I shared earlier that if you have expectations of somebody else fulfilling your desires, you're going to be disappointed. That disappointment and the frailty of humankind is a promise. But you're going to suffer disappointment with Jesus, because He's Jesus and you're not. And you're going to think that Jesus is supposed to behave a particular way, and he's going to do something entirely different. You're going to get offended. Oh, wait a minute. That was my poster. Wait a minute. Wasn't it supposed to go like this? Or Wait a minute. Blessed are those who are not offended by me. Now, John seeing, John's disciples, seeing and hearing deliverance Jesus was doing is no different than you walking with Jesus and seeing and hearing the deliverance He wants to do. Where I am, My servant will be also. Walking in the Spirit is simply understanding where Jesus wants you to serve. And and His revelation to you in and healing and, and counseling, And witnessing and deliverance is to tell you how he's going to cause the blind one to see. How he's going to cause the deaf one to hear, the lame to walk, the brokenhearted to be, to preach the gospel. And as you hear and as you see, you do. It's it's a fait accompli. It's done. That was exciting to me, huh? Anyhow.
0: Right? The crux, it is exciting. Their the crux is knowing is what the Spirit is telling you to do. No <laughs> Matthew 16, 13, 16, he
2: says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Repeat with me. Blessed, blessed are my, my eyes, eyes, blessed are my, my eyes, because they see. Because they see. Because they blessed see. are my ears, blessed because they, they hear. hear. Because they hear. That's a powerful declaration. Mm -hmm. You're agreeing with Jesus. This is His testimony to you. He gave you eyes to see, ears to hear. Mm -hmm. Is He your Messiah? Yes. So then, if you were blind, what do you now do? You see. If you were deaf, what do you do now? You're You're here. If you didn't know how to walk with the Lord, and you were lame, what are you now? Walking. If you were defiled by sin and leprous to all contact with humanity, what are you now? Cleansed. Cleansed. That's good news. Amen. Amen. That's the Gospel. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, seeing and hearing. So, in the time left, I will get through as much seeing as I can. (laughs) And then, Lord willing, we'll talk about hearing in the next session.
4: I'm assuming... John was not asking a rhetorical question, but why do you why do you think he didn't already know? You know, think about from his childhood when he left his mother's womb until then. Why might he not have realized that over? Was just the his flesh? Just
2: oh, I, I can I don't your know. speculation. Yeah, right? I don't know, but all I can plug it peg it to is expectation of what the Messiah was supposed to do. Mm. No one was embracing or understanding the idea of the cross and his own disciples didn't understand it until even when he after the resurrection
0: they were mm-hmm. near
2: mm-hmm. he told him time and time again mm-hmm. so um I, I I suspect he was suspect he was expecting something else
1: gotcha on a slightly different cat I've thought a lot about that question too because I'm a person who has been offended in Jesus and I, so maybe it's through my own view but I see John sitting in prison like, okay, Jesus, we're cousins, we grew up together, I went before you, I baptized you, I saw the dove come down, and now you're letting me sit in jail. What's up? up? I'm a little bit not driving right. with what's mm-hmm. happening here right.
0: are you for real yeah sure and yeah. I'm able to what are that's
1: that's how I've always interpreted that's it and that's why Jesus responded so openly because John made a public mm-hmm. he basically he almost publicly embarrassed Jesus and Jesus made an open statement mm-hmm. not to embarrass John but he said mm-hmm. blessed is he who's not offended me like go tell John chill out John yeah mm-hmm. and, and then he goes that's the able version then he goes the extraordinary measure and and
2: starts talking up John's ministry
1: Right. And, he, a, after the that after Just to show that he's not mad at he's John. He's not mad at all. John's, he's like, John is awesome. He, I know he's not happy with me John, right now, but there's, John's no awesome. other,
0: <laughs> there's no other greater than John.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, Jesus, it's amazing. Something that Abel said just reminded me of that we do the same thing or have, may have a tendency to do the same thing. We end up in jail or end up in maybe not physical jail, but some type of bad circumstance. And then we say, Are you really he?
1: Right. I was having that conversation with him. What <laughs> 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 happened,
0: Lord, I thought Yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And, and we know
1: in our <laughs> Go ahead, Peter. No. Mm-hmm.
0: So also at that point John had fulfilled his mission.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure just yeah. He had fulfilled his mission by that
1: point in time. Um,
0: yes, yes. You know, he must increase, and, I must decrease. Yeah. And, mm. and,
1: there's a question, though, did John actually have to go the way that he did, because, see, did did John get out mm-hmm. of the box, he's going before Jesus, but when he starts calling out Herod, did he get outside the box, did he kind of, you know, it's important unto all men wants to die, yeah. he was going to die somehow or another, sure. but did he, he, did he, so, so
2: to, not yeah, to cut off the question, ahead, ahead. but to, to answer it as best I can from my perspective, he is the tail end of a long list, mm. Of, of faithful prophets that were executed for their witness to the Lord. It's kind of like so He was doing arson. what prophets do. And, and, yeah, and Jesus said to His contemporaries, you know, you guys are walking around saying if we'd, been, if we'd lived when these prophets were walking around we would have believed his, our ancestors were the dupes. Mm-hmm. He says, well, i tell you what, I, you know what, I'll send you apostles and when you kill them, all the blood from Abel to Zechariah comes on your generation. Because I'm telling you, you're as broken as they
1: were. Mm. So, so even if John did get outside the box, he was more proof evidence of this very thing. Absolutely. This he he filled was, the type. It worked out either mm-hmm. way. Absolutely filled the type. So seeing Colossians.
2: Now we talked about this last session, Colossians 1:15 15 and 16. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So we know that there are two realms: the visible realm, the invisible realm. And not just like
0: John chapter one. Yeah, it, it does,
2: and and not only invisible to the human eye, but just you know, out of the frequency of the material realm, right? So these realms, visible and invisible, we talked about the the physical realm having been created, the thing that we can see having been spoken into being inside of the spirit realm. And there is um, a superimposition, if you will. There are connections in the spirit realm and the physical realm. And when when things go awry um, in the spirit realm, and bad things pour out on the earth, and when things go right in in the physical realm, good things pour out on earth. Like these are that's a real simple way of putting this, right? But um, that gives you some ideas. So, I'm, I'm sharing this because I'm sharing about seeing, okay? About seeing, seeing, sharing about okay. seeing, okay? So uh, in terms of this correlation between spirit realm and, and physical realm, if you have a place. That's been um, defiled through human sacrifice or um, massacre or things of these natures, evil spirits attach to them. If there is a place that's prominent with idolatry, evil spirits attach to the locale, it becomes a stronghold. Okay? In uh, and, and family lines, here's a correlation, a generational time space continuum kind of thing in family lines where they've been dedicated people to the Lord blessings pour down to further generations even if those generations aren't following the Lord. The blessing follows.
0: And and, and the opposite the Masonic stuff
2: follows. Right, right, curses follow. That yeah. kind of a thing. Right? So I want to talk about spiritual and physical vision. Because y'all are looking at me. Some of us have glasses, some of us don't. But I, I want to see I want you to see how you were originally designed, okay? Genesis 3.7 after the fall, after they both ate, says the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. Genesis 2.25 says that they were both naked and unashamed. So the question is, which vision was primary prior to the fall, right? Something happened in the fall that now their nakedness, though known, was more apparent, and they had to take measures to cover the fig leaves we talked about. That's man's first, second move to religiosity, first is I want to be like God, oops I'm not, Let me build something so I can at least hang around a deity and try to get there on my own. Okay? My point here is is that it was their physical eyes that took ascendancy over their spiritual eyes. Now, any kind of Eastern religion, New Age spiritism, shamanism you've ever encountered will talk about the third eye, uh, spirit vision... See, why? Because it exists. Because it's there. Okay? The question isn't whether you could see or not. Guess what? You can. The question is what are you looking at? Okay? Y'all remember the story of Elisha? And they're all surrounded. And and this narrative is too long to go into a detail, but basically, you know, Hezai is like, ah, oh, you know, or a servant's like, you know, they're gonna get us and. And so Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes. Because he told him, greater, you know, greater are those with us than those with them. And he op- the Lord opens his eyes and he sees chariots of fire in, in, in the hillside, right? And they're surrounded by a company of angels. And later on in this narrative, when, when the, the Syrian host comes up, Elisha prays them blind. They, they're seeing... But they're not really seeing where they are. He leads them all the way into uh, Samaria, I think, I forget, you know, and then opens their eyes again and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, we're captives. We didn't even know it. Yeah. Let the whole army out. Now, one way this could have happened is with that whole army of angels, which numbered more than the Syrian army, is they're just kind of like, you know, these guys are walking around and these angels are like, yeah, yeah, you're not seeing that. <laughs> you're seeing something else. I don't know the mechanism.
0: Well, I mean, Jesus walks through a crowd of people who are trying to kill him, And and they see him.
2: So, here again, spiritual eyes can be opened, physical eyes can be opened, physical eyes can be closed. Ephesians 1.17. Acts 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So this is a prayer. So, if Paul could pray this, I could pray this. And if you're praying prayers that are already in Scripture, you have no sure method of knowing that you're praying God's will. Right? You don't have to doubt it. He wrote it down. Hey, you want a prayer? Here's one. <laughs> that the God of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Remember we're talking about Father of Revelation? The Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge in Him. Hello, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Okay? the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And then it goes on. But so, to understand the depth of what Christ has done for us, of Him being seated on the right hand of the heavenly throne on high, is not an intellectual process. It's a spiritual revelatory process where the Holy Spirit through word of wisdom, word of knowledge, lets you see and be enlightened, so you understand the real hierarchy of creation, the reality of it. If all we're doing is looking at what's happening in the world, we it's just it's horrible, right? It's it's all factual, but there's a bunch of lie going on okay it could, you, you could your despair people got
0: insane minds yeah you could, they, you could despair
2: quite a bit even in our cush 20, 21st century first world circumstances we can like you know by the way, if you think things are horrible, read some history. Um, John 3:3 3, 3, truly truly I say to you unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm. All right are you born again? Yes Mr. sure hands. Born again? What can you see? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. question isn't whether you can see or
1: not. question is, what are you looking at?
0: Yeah, what are you focusing on?
1: Will, will you just, or maybe some of the young people in the room, briefly define born again, because I'm not sure everybody exactly knew what you meant right
0: That would be good. Now. Born the first
1: time. Mama
2: gave birth to you. You came to be by the will of man, Scripture says. Born the second time, born again is born from above, where when you confess Christ as Lord, believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, that He brings alive, reunites your spirit with His spirit by the Holy Spirit, recreates you in the image of Christ, and you are born anew. You were dead to the... You were dead to the kingdom of God. So anything you saw in the spirit realm was under a black light. But now, being born again, you could see the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God?
0: Peace, joy, love,
1: right?
0: Joy, joy. joy. peace.
1: peace. Right. No, maybe maybe one simple way for young people if they don't quite get it is when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, the spirit light inside them it went dark. Yep. They they died spiritually. But then when you're born again, it's like the Holy Spirit comes in
0: Jesus turns the light back on. Light on, and when the so, light comes on.
1: There you go. Then you can see.
0: Then you can see. So you you make I mean, Jesus I mean. your Lord in your life. That means who? Let me ask you a question. If anybody's got an Got, got the question, who was Lord before you made Jesus Lord in your life? yourself? Who? I was. Well, in most cases, it was you yourself. You were Lord in your own life. You you transfer that Lordship over to Him and you make Him Lord in your life because He died for you, and so you make Him Lord in your life. You transfer your life for Him. You don't have to die for Him, but you transfer your life over, and you, make, and you give your life to Him. He gave he died and gave His life for you as a transfer. And when you make Him Lord in your life, and, uh, uh, you know, and what Him first, that's making, you know, that's accepting Him as Lord. And, uh, you know. Amen. <laughs> New
2: birth cures blindness. Mm, mm. So if you've ever led anybody to the Lord, you've opened their eyes to see. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 13. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. We don't approach Christ with a veil over our face. Well, what does the veil of your face do? You can't see things right. And people can't see you right. Moses wore a veil because they couldn't stand and look at his shining face. Scary stuff. Right? But we don't look at Christ that way. But now he says that even now, when they look at the Old Covenant, this veil's on there and they can't see the glory that they're supposed to be seeing. Deuteronomy 29 verse 4 is how Moses put that condition. After saying all that they'd witnessed in getting out of Egypt and at Sinai and through forty years of the wilderness, he says, "But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand, or eyes to see, or ears to hear. You still don't get it. You know, the minute there's not enough doves, the minute you don't like the manna, the minute the giants show up, you got a problem."
0: Hey, you look at. I mean. Yeah, it'd be scary, you know, you see somebody that's ten foot tall yeah. walking around and we gotta go conquer them. We gotta go kill that thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Verse 15, mm-hmm. yes, to this day, whenever Moses is red, a veil lies over their heart. But when one turns to the Lord, mm. huh? What happens? The veil is removed. Okay. So if we're having a vision problem, maybe we're just having a focus problem because If I am turning to Jesus, then the veil comes off. When I tried to understand the Trinity or the Godhead intellectually, I was a Unitarian. But when I turned to Jesus, He ripped the veil open. And all of a sudden, Scriptures, I could understand. Matter of fact, they testified to things that I, I thought they testified the opposite of. Because, my heart turned to Jesus, and the veil came off. Only Jesus can do that. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Amen? And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Now, in context, interpreting the Scripture... What glory of the Lord is he talking about? To this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the veils still on. He's talking about reading the Torah. He's talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Specifically, he's talking about the Old Testament, particularly... And it does, does the Christian no benefit to be Old Testament illiterate? You know? People wrote books in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they wrote magazine articles about the books in the Old Testament. Okay? To apply it, that's the interpretation. And you can apply this to the Old Testament. Now that you know Jesus, when you go to the Old Testament, God can show you Jesus all the time. And it's glorious. He's glorious because he's through the whole thing. You ready to do that?
3: <laughs> I had fun one last week. What's that? Just what you're talking about, seeing Jesus in the Old Testament? Hey! So I, did, I had a fun one last week. Uh, we were reading 2 Samuel, and um, the usurper hanging from the tree dies at the hand of Job. And um, there's some mourning and rejoicing mixed in there, but then what happens next? It's interesting because David does not immediately return to Jerusalem. He's still like 50 miles out east on the other side of the Jordan and he stays there for a period of time. Until two interesting things happen, there's some politics stuff going on. I understand. Job and Amnon and other stuff around. Right. Always gonna be this is when Absalom gets killed,
2: right. right? But
3: Yeah, Absalom's dead at this point. If the war is over whatever Civil War stuff was going on, and he super dead. But David doesn't come rushing back into Jerusalem. Hey, everybody, I'm back I'm home again. He's 50 miles from Jerusalem, the other side of the Jordan. not he stand there? And in the, narratively, the Israelites invite him back first. Mm-hmm. But Jerusalem isn't in Israel. Jerusalem's in Judah. Right. So then... After the Israelites invite him back, the the Judeans get their act together, they invite him back, and finally he crosses over the Jordan and comes back. Comes home. You see the picture? Does anybody else start indicating? What 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 I was seeing was the the Gentiles inviting Jesus back first, and then the Jews accepting him and inviting him back and mm-hmm. then he comes then back he over comes the right Jordan. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's some other things in there too. I haven't done a deep dive, but that's you know, what that's I've great. seen in that chapter. Yeah, that was Did you see that?
2: It's uh, it, that it's good. Thank you, Alan.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So we behold the glory of the Lord with no veil, open faced. It's it's open faced is an idiom for for bold honesty. No no mask. We come to Jesus with no mask. You come to the Word of God with no mask. I don't come there to prove my point, to fulfill a religious obligation, to. I come there for it to change me, for it to inform me, for it to tell me. The Word of God is the only physical spirit mirror you have. It's the only mirror you can look at, and this analogy is based on a mirror, it's the only mirror you can look at that will describe to you who you really are on the inside and what it is that you are to do. Okay? He put that in the physical realm for us. But then he put his spirit in us to bubble that out and bubble that out to lead us in the way. The spirit removes the veil from the law so that we see the Lord's glory and are transformed. Okay? So we'll stop there. I've got that's like one third of the way through this message. Isn't it interesting? We um, call it a
4: open face sandwich. Open face. That's you, it. you take you the top piece of bread right. off so you and can you know see. know what's inside. You know what's inside. That's right. And you do not have to have so much
0: gluten. <laughs> you uh-huh. took the took the veil off. <laughs> so you're looking at food, right? <laughs> right. No, no, I, mean, I was just I thinking. Instead, you that's
4: you it. you remove the veil and you
2: can see the face. Same
4: same concept, right? It's the same
0: eat. Right. So just
3: to, just to kind of wrap
2: up this section now. Okay, we're talking about relationship and revelation. Jesus is your friend. He's going to tell you what the Father's plan to do. Mm -hmm. Primary vehicles of information transformation is seeing and hearing, which means you need to look and you need to listen. Okay? And then we'll pick this up to continue looking at spiritual eyes and seeing in the Spirit and different aspects of that. But the primary aspect of this is focusing on your Lord. As uh, Abel shared earlier, to be spiritually minded mm-hmm. is life and peace. To focus Amen. on the spirit is life and peace. Amen? Amen. 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 Amen.